0: What's up and happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. And I got a question for you right out of the gate. Did Coach Penny Hardaway diss the American Athletic Conference? I'm going to play you the clip and let you decide, and then we're going to discuss it. We've also got the Monday mowdown for week nine American Athletic Conference football sprinkled in with a little Mountain West. I'm not going to dive too deep into the New Year's Six race today. I'm going to wait till after the CFP rankings get released tomorrow, Halloween night, so we can really get a scope of where they're at and really start to see more clearly how this thing's going to play out down the final stretch of the season. We got a lot to get to today, so before we do, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do like subscribe comment at the end share it with a friend and if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms please 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 give this a five-star rating and a positive review let's let these people know let's let the world know that the underdog conferences they need some love too and and quite frankly the fan bases the passion the intensity the um Whatever other words you could put there, you fill in the blank, like it's just as powerful, it's just as important, it's just as significant as the teams that get all the national coverage. So that's what we do. We cover those conferences, mainly the American Athletics. So if you're a fan of one of those teams, thank you for joining in. If you're a regular, welcome back to another week. And uh, let's get to it. So I'm gonna play this Penny Hardaway clip. I saw it on social media, someone had tweeted about it, and in the initial tweet, it made it, the, the initial tweet that I saw really made it look like Penny Hardaway threw some serious shade at the AAC. Then that same person responded to their original tweet and put the full quote. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's not really that bad. Could it still be considered shade to the American conference? Yeah, but it's not any shade that isn't rooted in any kind of facts that don't have facts to support it. So, i'm gonna play you the clip real quick and then i'm gonna give you my thoughts on it and then i would love to hear your thoughts down in the comments here we go the schedule you've put together this year and kind of how daunting it is here early has that helped in terms of getting everyone on the same like everyone you know everyone kind of knows what lies ahead for you really quickly here during the start of the season i think this twofold honestly i think the first side of that is these guys just enjoy playing together and the second side of it is they understand that our non-conference is pretty much our season not that we're ignoring the aac uh or anything like that it's just the conference tournament i mean the, um the regular season uh when it starts is going to be <laughs> a tough non-conference schedule so we'll have to be ready for that i think they know that Coach, I got two questions. Um... So there you have it. And the original tweet I think I saw only had our non-conference is pretty much our season. And it didn't go on to elaborate on what he said in the rest of the quote, which was that's not saying we're ignoring the AAC or anything like that, but essentially our our non-conference schedule is pretty tough. And it is. I mean, if you look at it, they're at Missouri. They're in the battle for Atlantis where I'm hoping we get a Memphis-Arkansas matchup. Man, whew. As, as as someone who is an Arkansas guy and as someone who's a longtime just general fan of Memphis basketball, that right there in the 90s, I remember watching some of those matchups back in the day. I would love to get a non-conference matchup in the battle for Atlantis of Arkansas versus Memphis. But they're at Ole Miss. They're at AM, They're at VCU. They've got Virginia. I mean, this is a This is a Gonzaga-esque non-conference schedule. And quite frankly, if Memphis is going to be who Memphis wants to be, that's how they're going to have to approach it. They're going to have to play those types of schedules in order for their conference success, whatever level of success they get in conference, to mean anything. And that's what I think Penny Hardaway was saying with this. I don't think he was necessarily just dissing and dogging the AAC. I'm sure a lot of Memphis fans took it that way because there's a lot of Memphis fans that just hate the AAC. And so it was like, yeah, I don't think that's what Penny was saying, though. I think what Penny was saying is in order for any success that we're going to have in, in conference play to mean anything in March, to have any significance in March, we've got to do well in non-conference. Because the truth is, is if Memphis bombs their non-conference schedule and then goes on to dominate the American conference, yeah, they'll get a tournament bid, but they're still probably looking at a 6-11 through seed. Whereas, if they do really well in their non-conference schedule, then they go through and dominate their conference schedule, now they could be looking at a top-five seed. So that's, that's what I think he meant is, our non-conference is pretty much our season. In other words, not that we're ignoring our conference schedule, but in order for our conference schedule to have any significance in March, we gotta do well in non-conference. And I think that's fair to say because if you look at it right now, outside of FAU, what game on there is gonna move the needle in tournament seating? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying though. I'm not knocking the caliber of teams, and the competitive success I think that certain teams in the conference are going to have. I'm saying as it stands right now, from the looks of it, it's not like it's the Big 12, the Big 10, or the SEC, right? If you're in one of those conferences, your conference schedule will have the most significance in March. What conference wins you put together will have significance in March and with seeding more than your non-conference schedule. That is not the case right now with Memphis. Look at their schedule. Their non-conference versus their conference schedule, obviously one is gonna have much more impact on on their seeding ranking and all that in March. Um, So I, I, I don't really have a problem with what he said. But here's what I will say. If I'm even misinterpreting it and Memphis is thinking that the AAC conference schedule is just going to be a cakewalk, I think they have another thing coming. And if you're a Memphis fan, I understand the confidence, right? You you do have arguably the most talented team of players in the league. But there's two reasons why I don't think this is just going to be a cakewalk for Memphis. Is Memphis... Highly likely to win the conference? Sure. Is Memphis highly likely to win the conference tournament at the end of the season? Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be as big of a cakewalk as some Memphis fans think it's going to be. And the reason why, well, there's two reasons. One, there's some good basketball teams in the American conference. Whether it looks like it in the rankings and on paper and all that, there are some good basketball teams and there's some very well-coached teams. Like there's some good coaches in this conference. Wichita State, they've got themselves a coach now with Paul Mills go do your research on him okay Andy Kennedy at UAB that's a dude that can coach there are some very well coached teams Dusty May at FAU that sucker can coach so and, and I know I'm leaving some out okay there, there's a couple of more I know North Texas I'm curious to see though with McCaslin out and the new guy in I'm ready to see what they look like but that's my first reason I also I'll be honest I really like this guy at Temple okay he's a little bit different than what they've had they've been heavy on former players and alum coaching the team and now they got this guy in that's more of an outsider he's familiar with the area he was an assistant i think at penn state but talking to him at aac media days he seems like he understands what it's going to take to be successful at temple because that temple basketball brand man if they could just get back to winning I mean, that's, that's a, that could be a, a strong basketball brand in the conference. So I'm not saying he's going to do it all in year one, but I'm curious to see what, I got my eye on Temple basketball over these next couple of years. But let me digress. What was I saying? Um, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's my, my first reason. And then my second reason is this. Memphis is going to get every conference team's best shot. They're going to get every conference team's best game. And you can't use that as an excuse, okay? You just have to take care of business like Gonzaga does year in and year out. Gonzaga and the West Coast Conference gets every West Coast Conference's team's best shot. Every week, twice a week during conference play, they get their best shot. And you know what they do year in and year out is they take care of business. With an occasional loss here and there to a St. Mary's, I think is the team that will get them every now and then. So if you're Memphis, if like you are who you wanna be, if you are who you say you are, you are who you think you are, you can't use the fact that you're gonna get every team in, in the conference's best shot as an excuse. Well, we're everybody's Super Bowl, so so is Gonzaga. Take care of business. Um, and the reason why I say that, I don't just say that like, uh just pulling it out of thin air. Like I asked players, like you can go look on this channel. Like I asked players from the other teams in the conference, who were they most looking forward to playing? And 90% of them said Memphis. And then the other 10%, they just gave the the standard. Oh, we look forward to playing every team. So like every team Memphis, 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 so that's that's part of it. You got coach Penny there he he brings a high profile to that program. You have a strong basketball brand um and and, and here's the thing though too. And you can look at Gonzaga and see the same thing that happened. even Wichita State, same thing happened. Memphis needs to get out of the first weekend of the tournament and maybe do that consecutive years. And then they'll start getting more respect in the final season rankings in, as it pertains to seeding, right? I know a lot of Memphis fans think, oh, we got to go to the Big East, or we got to go to the Big 12, or we got to go to the ACC, or we got to go we got to go Power 5 so that we get respect in seeding. No, you really don't. You just need to play a tough non-conference schedule like Gonzaga does every year, take care of business in conference, and then put together some consecutive seasons of success getting out of that first weekend even though it shouldn't be that way cuz every season's supposed to be its own season, but there's so much subjectivity in all this. I don't care what the formulas are, I don't care what the models produce. The bottom line is is teams get rewarded for prior year success. For example, Wichita State when they were in the was it the Missouri Valley Conference and they made that run to the final four with, uh, was it Van Fleet and, uh, Ron can't remember his last name, but they made that run to the final four as like a 10 seed. And then the following year they mowed through their conference. They were like what? 34 and one or something like that. Or maybe they were undefeated. I don't remember. And they got the number one seed in the tournament, or maybe it was a number two overall seed in a one seed. And their, their schedule did not warrant that, but I believe it was their prior year success that helped. Look at Gonzaga. Gonzaga used to come in as that Cinderella team, Cinderella team. And then eventually it kind of just became, oh wait, no, this is just Gonzaga. And now I think in the last 10 years or so, they've had five number one seeds. So I think if Memphis can get out of that first weekend of the tournament this year, um, you know, they could start to see that type of love from the seeding. I think you're going to see FAU get that type of love. If, if FAU takes care of business this season, and I mean, they probably would have to win the conference. I think you see them get a top four seed because of the success they had a season ago. Okay. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Let me know what your thoughts are on that clip. Um, I just happened to stumble across that on Twitter. And actually this particular clip, uh, who did I get this from? i want to give credit where credit is due. It was from, I'm looking it up right now. So sorry. It was from Leon Taylor, 1983 on Twitter X at Leon Taylor, 1983 with go Tigers, two, four, seven. 24 seven. So that's where I got that clip from. So if you want to see the full thing, I think he has the whole thing posted over on his Twitter account. So that's where that came from. That's all I'm going to say on that. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let's get to some football. So in week nine action, if you listened to anything that I talked about last week, as it pertained to the week nine slate of games, I almost predicted everything exactly how it happened there were a couple things I was off on but on the Pickums, if not for the ECU backdoor cover I was 100 that's two weeks in a row by the way because last week if Navy kicks an extra point I'm undefeated but even if you look at how the games played out I didn't touch that Tulane Rice game I told you that game was going to be closer than expected. And some people on Twitter kind of came at me like what too late, right? Or maybe it was on here on the comments. I don't remember, but yeah, that was a two point game that Tulane got by on. I knew rice would be a tougher matchup than expected. Uh, UTSA. I predicted that they would handle business against ECU. However, ECU made that game way more competitive, particularly early than I thought they would. Now, had they not given... If, if UTSA wouldn't have given up that touchdown at the end of the game, um, you know, they would have covered and I would have been right 100% on my picks. But um, I don't know what the latest on Frank Harris is. I know he got a little banged up in that game. They need to shake off and uh, keep the keep the good momentum going. But they beat ECU 41-27. Tulane beat Rice 30-28. Tulane moved up in the rankings. Uh, which, by the way, I am not going to do a CFP or a, a new year's six race G five new year's six race episode till probably Wednesday. I want to see what the CFP rankings say tomorrow. Oh, I've, I may have already said that at the top of the episode. Sorry, but yeah, we're going to let those come out. Um uh But Friday night, sorry, I started at the end of the lineup Friday night. I told you FAU was going to be able to put points up on Charlotte. I know Charlotte's defense has been playing well, but I was like, I think that, the, the level of firepower that FAU has, they were going to be able to score points. And I think if they played sound defense, they would cover that game for sure. It's crazy. They were only favored four. So that was like a gimme. And they ended up winning 38-16. Charlotte, man, like I, I suggested this last week, like maybe they legitimately need to look at running something like the triple option. Uh, I also think that Biff Pogey is having a reality check as far as where he gets his players. Um, I don't think it would be a bad idea for him to start trying to dip into Florida and trying to find some low hanging fruit there. Not that they're going to go get the top guys in Florida, but go see if you can't go get you some Florida guys that are the lower hanging fruit that aren't getting offers from the Florida States and the Floridas and the, or even the FAUs and the UCFs, right? Like let's, that's just a thought instead of just going all in on the DMV. And I get it. That's where he coached, That's where he'd had success. Um He's kind of brought in a lot of last chance U-esque type guys. And I think he was thinking, all right, I'm going to get all this talent together. We're going to put it together. Um, and defensively, they've been okay. Offensively, they just haven't been able to get anything going. And I, I don't know... That at Charlotte, if you're going to be able to play the kind of bully ball football, I think Coach Poji wants to play that Michigan-esque style of offense. You know, if you want to run the ball and control the tempo of the game, maybe look at one of these service academy offenses. Why not? Just some thoughts there. Uh, SMU absolutely dominated Tulsa. I, I called that. SMU's rolling right now. They are cooking. And I think they're... Right now, it's looking like SMU Memphis and Tulane UTSA will determine will be the will be for the two slots in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Right now though, SMU I'm I'm taking them over Memphis. They both seem to be on different tra- trajectories. And I'm curious. SMU is getting no love from the coaches or AP polls. I'm curious to see what the CFP polls have to say. Because this, I mean, this is a good team and they're starting to play good football. Their biggest egg that they laid, really their only egg they've laid this season was that TCU game. I don't know what happened there. They just did not come to play. OU, yeah, the game got out of hand at the end, but they competed that whole game. And what I've been saying since early, since they played Louisiana Tech, I said, if SMU can put together four quality quarters of football, they're going to be a dangerous team. Well, guess what? For a few weeks in a row now, you're starting to see, at least two weeks in a row, four quality quarters of football. Ah, well, they're playing Temple and Tulsa. That doesn't matter. They're dropping 50 and 60 burgers. Almost gave Tulsa 70. This is a dangerous team. And I like them right now. More than I do Memphis, because I think Memphis is going in the other direction. I think, like Memphis, they're winning these games, but they're a little too close for comfort. And I'm going to talk about the North Texas matchup here in just a second. I just don't know right now the way SMU's playing, the way Memphis is playing. I say SMU wins that game. And then, of course, Tulane, UTSA, it's looking like will be the battle for the other spot likely so and it, that's a from the american conference perspective you need your best bet at getting that new year's six bid without even seeing the cfp rankings what they're going to show tomorrow you need an 11 and one Tulane lane versus a 10 and two smu but i am i'm curious to see if smu gets any love from the cfp committee um, just based on how they're playing. They, they seem to have figured it out. They, find their, they found their rhythm. So we'll see on that. And then finally, we had Memphis at North Texas. And I told you. I told you North Texas was going to cover. And now where I was wrong was I told you I had a feeling North Texas was going to get the upset. And again, where did that come from? Did I just pull that out of thin air? No. I said a couple of weeks ago after North Texas played Temple, and they really played their most complete game of football, I said, this is a team that's going to win a game or two down the stretch that they should not win. Because after that Temple game, you saw a different level of confidence, and you saw a different level of momentum. And throughout the course of a football season, when you've got high confidence and a lot of momentum, you end up winning games you shouldn't win. You come up against a team you shouldn't beat, who's maybe not playing as confident or doesn't have as much momentum, and you get them. They almost got Tulane. And I really thought with where Memphis was at, they they you know just looked lifeless in the first half against UAB and they got it together in the second half. They're still I mean they're 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 out of the New Year's six race. they could certainly still win the conference championship, but they they, they just don't have the same amount of stakes as like what Tulane had. and I just really thought North Texas on their home field was going to pull off the upset. they almost did, but hey. I will give props and credit where props and credit are due. And that is Seth Hennigan. All right, Seth Hennigan put his team on his back in that final drive and led them, willed them to victory. So hats off to Seth Hennigan. Should the game have even been in that position? No, it should not have. But I don't put that on Hennigan. Hennigan took what he needed. He did what he needed to do. Led his team down, threw that final touchdown to win the game. And probably save Ryan Silverfield for another week. It was starting to feel, though, like this was going to be, um, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, they used to call it the double turn where you had a bad guy versus a good guy. But then by the end of the match, both turned, the the heel turned face and the face turned heel. I'm I'm talking like uh, I'm gonna go 90s on you some some stone cold uh, Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart started the match as the good guy. Stone Cold started the match as the bad guy, but by the end of the match, because of how they played it out, Bret Hart was the bad guy and Stone Cold was the good guy. And then it ushered in this whole era attitude era of wrestling. If you're not in all that, sorry, but I grew up on it. I loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. That's kind of how this game felt. One coach was about to get his signature win while the other coach was getting ready to seal his fate. But thanks to Seth Hennigan, that did not happen. Memphis fans, where are you at on this? Because it's like, you gotta be feeling, okay, you're glad your team won, and you're still in the hunt, but then on the other side of it, is this what you wanna continue to see week in and week out, year in and year out? I still don't feel like Memphis is playing up to their potential. And at this point in the season, it's not that I'm trying to like, dog Memphis or, or hate on them I just that's my honest assessment of them. They're still not playing up to their potential and they're not putting teams away in a manner that I think a team as talented as they are should. Okay oh that, that's the last game so I'll we'll, we'll do some game previews and some pick them stuff later this week. We'll talk about the New Year's six race um, probably Wednesday. Yeah. Maybe we'll do pickums and look ahead tomorrow. And then Wednesday after the CFP rankings come out, we'll talk about the new year six race. Air force did win. So they're cooking. Um, they are in control of their own destiny. The triple option to the new year six is, you know, that dream is still alive. If you're hoping for that. Uh, and then Fresno beat UNLV. So those were some key mountain West games, uh, to keep an eye on, but That's it for me today. Thank you for watching or listening to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. Please let me know your thoughts on the Penny Hardaway and let me know your thoughts on the weekend slate of games. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Trey Smith, College Game Time.